Hi, I'm Lori Lee Siemens, and this is a bonus episode. Earlier today, I posted my weekly podcast where I hit three news stories that I thought was important. We looked at abortion after birth, we looked at the Indian-Pakistan war, and we looked at trans in sports. So if you want to hear those stories, head to my website, lauraleesiemens.com, and check out the podcast tab. The other huge news is the SNC-Lavin scandal. This is so huge. I wanted to do a separate podcast on just this. So this is your bonus episode. This is Project Command. Stand by at power Sign is X minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. First of all, I covered some of this last week, so let's replay what I covered last week. But stay with me because we're going to dive into the story of Gerald Butts, and it's a story we really need to know about. So who is Gerald Butts and why is everyone freaking out about him quitting as Trudeau's primary secretary? Well, Pierce Morgan calls Butt one sandwich short of a picnic lunch. <laughs> Alright, but who is he? Well, he's the man behind Trudeau and the one making all the choices. The one holding the puppet strings to Trudeau. Really, Butts is our Prime Minister, we just don't know it, and no one voted for him. So let's look at who he is, and why he had to step down, and it's actually a pretty crazy story. I mean, you could make a novel about this one, guys. First, Butts was born in Cape Breton, and his father worked in the coal mine. His aunt was a nun, and she's kind of actually a famous nun. She's crazy smart and has a bunch of degrees, but she spent most of her time working as a school teacher. In the 90s, Jean Chrétien picked her to be a Canadian senator, but there were two problems. There was a law dating back to like the founding of Canada that says a senator has to own at least $4,000 and they must have a salary. Well, Miss Butts had taken a vow of poverty, so she had no money, and also she refused to take a salary. But it all got ironed out when someone donated a plot of land worth around $4,000 to her, so now that she owns something worth $4,000, and a charity agreed to take her salary. So Jerry Butts grew up with a father who worked in the coal mines and an aunt who had no regards for money or power. Well, what happened to him? He's basically the exact opposite of all that. He's hungry for power, has a lust for money, and he wants to shut down the coal industry. Again, at the same time Senator Butts was sworn into office, Gary Butts was going to McGill University. And this is where he meets Justin Trudeau. And the two become very close friends. They're the kind of friends that finish each other's sentences, and they're together all the time. Then in September of 2000, Pierre Elliott Trudeau died, and Justin Trudeau was suddenly without his father. Justin was at the time pretty much an unknown. He was a partier and a part-time drama teacher, but at his father's funeral, everything changed. Trudeau stood in front of the press, in front of the world leaders, in front of the who's who of Canadian elites, the cameras, the spotlights, and he gave a speech that threw him instantly into the Trudeau mania spotlight people began to suddenly see him as the next leader of the Liberal Party. 
Now, if you've ever heard Justin Trudeau try to string a sentence together, you might think this is kind of crazy. He gave an amazing speech that made everyone think he was an ex-prime minister. How did that even happen? Well, his good friend, Gerald Butts, wrote the speech for him. In 2003, Gerald Butts began working for the Ontario Liberal Party. He was the man behind Dalton McGuinty. He spent more time in front of the camera than most of the people running for the election. In fact, people were actually really confused about that. The Liberals won the election and soon after, a letter went out to all the Liberal MPs. Gerald Butts would be doing all the hiring of staff. No one was allowed to hire any of their own staff. It was clear from day one, Gerald Butts was the boss. During his time running the province from behind closed doors, he brought in the Green Energy Act. This is the act that's already cost Ontario billions of dollars and that we can't get out of until like at least 2030. And it's going to cost us so much more. This is the act that ruined businesses and drove up the cost of our electricity. Then in 2008, Gerald Butts took the job as the CEO and president of World Wildlife Fund Canada. He's a globalist and an environmentalist right down to his core. Then in 2013, Trudeau won the race to be the head of the Liberal Party of Canada and Gerald Butts came on board to help him run in the election. He did run and unfortunately won the election. Butts then moved to Toronto, moved from Toronto to Ottawa. Now this is not really a very big move. It's a few hours drive, but he billed the taxpayer $127,000. How does it cost you $127,000 to move just a few houses away? We're not talking about buying houses or anything like that. We're talking about just the cost of the move. That's crazy. The story got picked up by the press and Butts eventually repaid about $60,000 of it. That still leaves $67,000. That's still unreal. Feel like you're getting overtaxed and wondering where your money's going? Stuff like this. Once again, it was Butts who was going to be running the country. Again, the MPs received an email letting them know that any email from Butts was equal to an email from the Prime Minister. He would be equal to the Prime Minister. That's crazy. We, no one voted for him. No one had even really heard of him. And now he would be telling the MPs who were voted into power what they could and couldn't do. It was Butts that pushed for the legislation to legalize marijuana. It was Butts that pushed for the Paris Accord. It was Butts, Butts that pushed for Omar to get paid millions of dollars. It was Butts that was been pushing for open borders and mass migration. Trudeau just does whatever he tells him to do. Basically, this is why I'm saying he was our prime minister and we didn't even know it and no one voted for him. Then suddenly he resigns and that was shocking to everyone. The story goes back to a scandal that I'm going to say less than 5% of Canadians know about. So let's learn a little bit about a company called SNC. So SNC is an engineering firm from Quebec. They have about 50,000 employees. They have offices in 50 countries and have projects right now in 160 countries. In 1995, they won the bid to build the electric power stations in India. Then in 1999, they bought a 99-year lease from Ontario government for $3.1 billion and created the 407, which is Ontario's private highway. I actually love this highway. It's totally worth the toll, just as a side note. In 2000, they won the bid to be the company that would build a huge bridge in Montreal. And then in 2005, they won the bid to redo the Trans-Canada Highway in the New Brunswick portion. 
and there was also a project in Libya. So this seems like this great company doing awesome work, making lots of money as a capitalist. I have no problems with that. But it was the Liberian project as well as the Indian project that opened up some questions. First of all, there ended up being a net loss in India of over $3 billion. Charges were laid, but all the Canadians involved were acquitted. However, Libya ended up being a much bigger deal. First of all, there was this woman named Cindy Vanier. She was caught trying to smuggle Gaddafi's family into Mexico. So if you don't know who Gaddafi is, he, he was the leader of Libya before he was killed off in a coup. So this man named Pierre was caught trying to help Cindy. Cindy ended up in a Mexican prison. Pierre eventually ended up resigning. Then came a guy named Rai Ben Asi. He worked for the SNC and was very close friends with Gaddafi's son. He hired this man named Edis Zachary, whose wife just happens to be the Canadian ambassador of Libya. This gave SNC direct links to the Canadian government as well as the Gaddafi family. Raya Ben Asa was the vice president of the global construction for SNC. So he was arrested in Switzerland for fraud and money laundering. This led to the RCMP raiding the Toronto offices of the SNC. What they found was proof of $48 million in bribes to the Libyan public offices and also $130 million that had been defrauded from Libyan organizations. This was the largest fraud investigation in Canadian history. So what does this have to do with Gerald Butts? Well, the Justice Minister at the time, Jody Olson-Raybould, Gerald Butts went to Jody Rayfield and asked her to make a deal for the SNC so that they wouldn't end up in massive trouble. This, of course, remember, is the largest fraud investigation in Canadian history. Now, remember, a call or an email from Gerald Butts is supposed to be equal to a call or an email from our Prime Minister. Now, Wilson Reynolds did not listen to Gerald Butts, but this led, up, this led her to being ostracized by Trudeau and ended up with her resignation. resignation. So when the news broke that the PM had been pressuring the Justice Minister to not lay charges or to make a deal for the SNC engineering firm, people began to look deeper, and it was Butts who had been giving the order to drop the investigation. So this week, he resigned. All right, so all of that I talked about last week. So more crime actually has come forward this week. SNC actually paid for Gaddafi's son to have prostitutes visit him here in Canada. They paid $30,000 to have prostitutes for Gaddafi's son. So we can see more and more things coming out about the SNC, and they are definitely an extremely sketchy, not very good company. So now let's look at what else we know. First of all, Bill Monroe, the finance minister, released a budget this year. In that budget was something weird, a law. Yes, Monroe was trying to pass a law by hiding it in a 600-page budget bill. It was after 10 o'clock at night when the committee members stumbled upon the law, and even the liberal members of the committee were confused. Here is a recording of that conversation. It was almost 10 p.m., and Parliament's Finance Committee was working into the night to review a 600-page liberal omnibus bill that the Trudeau government was rushing to get passed. Normally, budgets are about taxes and spending, but we stumbled on something that was neither. I just want to make sure I understand the provision. 
Division 20 Part 6 would allow those who are suspected of the crimes of stolen property, fraud, insider trading, and bribery of a foreign public official to uh, avoid prosecution by signing on to a deferred prosecution agreement. It was a new law that would allow corporate criminals to dodge prosecution and jail time by simply agreeing to fess up, pay a fine, return dirty money, and say sorry. Even the liberals on the committee were caught off guard. And they would be available for use in addressing um, corporate criminal wrongdoing. So, um, serious economic crimes. It, it does leave an uncomfortable taste in my mouth in, in the sense that it seems that we were going to let people who would commit a very serious economic crime, which has serious, very serious effects against those who are not capable of, of uh, negotiating these agreements in other crimes that they might be victims of or, 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 or perpetrators of. And we seem to be letting off uh, people in white collar crimes with a little slap on the wrist. In a sense, if I steal $10, I'm in trouble. But if I steal $10 million, I can work this out. The Liberal Finance Committee chair was also surprised to see a criminal code change tucked away in a budget bill. There is a huge question whether this should be in a budget bill, and even I will say that. I have to admit, I, I did not read this provision before coming here tonight. But where was this coming from? Who was even asking for this? So. So, last night, Jody Wilson Reynold took the stand and testified to a committee about what had happened in the last few months. Here are the highlights. Basically, for four months, 11 people from the PM office, the financial office, that's Monroe, and the privy office have pressured Jody to step in and fix the situation with the SNC so that they, can, so that they would not move to London and jobs in Quebec would not be lost. And this was specifically mentioned because they need Quebec for an upcoming election. All right, so here's the story of what she said. So it starts in September the 4th, 2008, and Jody was actually at that point out of the country, and she received a menu, uh, she received a uh, memo from the DPV saying that they were going to move forward with prosecution of the SNC and that they were not going to be offering any plea deals and they were not going to be negotiating with them. So that was September the 4th. And Jody then took that message and she forwarded it on to her office. September the 6th, Ben Chin, who is um, Minister Monroe's chief of staff. So we need to remember that a lot of times instead of the actual people going and saying, hey, fix this to get their chief of staff to talk to somebody else's chief of staff, that's how that works. So um, Ben Chin is the chief of staff for Minister Monroe, who is the financial minister. He had a meeting with Jody's chief of staff and Jody's chief of staff's name is Jessica so Jessica and Ben Chin they had this meeting so in the meeting Ben says that if SNC doesn't get a deal and doesn't um, get to avoid prosecution they're going to move to London and that's going to mean lots of jobs in Quebec are going to be gone and the Liberals need Quebec for an upcoming election so Jody needs to fix this so the same day, on September the 2nd, Jody actually requested a meeting with Trudeau. Now, this meeting was on a completely different issue. It had nothing to do with SNC, but she requested a meeting. That meeting would come up um, in a couple of weeks. So September the 8th, 
So we're looking at four days after um, Jody receives the memo uh, from the DPV saying that they're going to be not negotiating with SNC. So on September 8th now, Jody give, is given options on how she could make a deal with the SNC. So she begins looking at those options and deciding is she going to step in and is she, because as Attorney General, she is allowed to take over prosecutions. Um, so she could step in. So she begins thinking about if she's going to step in or not. September the 16th, the PM office calls Jody, Jody's chief of staff. So that's Jessica. So Prime Minister Trudeau's office calls Jessica and says, we really want to push for a deal. And is told to go out, get some outside advice, find out how we can fix this. And that it's really important because SNC is going to have a board meeting on September the 20th. That's coming up really soon. And Jody's chief of staff reminded them, look, the attorney general is supposed to be bipartisan. And the prime minister isn't actually supposed to be interfering with all of this. So then September the 17th, the finance now contacts Jody. And Jody then reminds them of the same thing that she just said. I'm supposed to be bipartisan. You're not really supposed to be messing with this. So the same day, um, Jody has the meeting with Trudeau that she had requested on a completely different topic. But as she goes into the meeting with Trudeau, the Privy Council is also there in the meeting. And right away, Trudeau begins talking about the SNC and says, look, we really, we need you to help us out on this. We have to find a way to solve this problem. Um, the SNC is going to end up moving to London. This is September 17th. They have a meeting coming up on September 20th, a board meeting. If they decide to move to London, all these jobs are going to be out of Quebec. We need Quebec for an upcoming election. We can't lose all these jobs. So Jody says, you know what? I've actually looked at all of this. Um, what I'm going to do, if I am going to step in or not, and I've decided I'm not going to step in, I feel like um, the prosecutors have already looked at it. They've already decided they're not going to make a deal. I am not going to get involved. So then he reminds her, hey, this board meeting is coming up on September 20th. And Trudeau says, look, I'm an MP for Quebec. So this election really matters to me. And she says again, hey, like this is supposed to be bipartisan. I'm not supposed to, like the election's not supposed to have anything to do with what I do as attorney general. So then she just wouldn't talk about that. And she went on and talked about the other issue that she was having the meeting for. So that was September 7th. Now, September 19th. Um, there's another meeting. Now, remember, we're looking at the day before the board meeting the SNC is going to have. So September 19th, there's another meeting where the clerk comes to her office and says, look, we need to fix this. The board meeting is tomorrow. And um, I've spoken to the minister, finance minister, Monroe. Monroe told us that she, we need you to fix this because there's an election coming up. We can't have all these jobs leaving Quebec. And she says the same thing that she's been saying all along. Uh, I'm attorney general. I'm supposed to be bipartisan. I can't care about your election when it comes to whether or not I'm going to offer a deal to this company. So October 18th, she's again contacted and asked her, can you just uh, review your what you've decided you're going to do? And um, she says, no, I've already decided what I'm going to do. Stop bothering me. So the next day, SNC actually goes to court and asks a judge to force the prosecution to meet with them so that they can negotiate a settlement. October 26th, she's contacted, Jody's contacted again. 
and they still want her to get involved. And at this point, they're saying, we really want you to get an outside person to look at this and to decide if you should be the one getting involved or not. And they again mention there's an election coming up. Quebec is important. We can't have jobs leaving Quebec. She says the same thing she said all along. As Attorney General, I can't care about your election because I'm supposed to be bipartisan. All right. So November the 22nd, she's asked to meet again. And this time she ends up in an hour and a half long meeting. And she again says, look, I'm not getting involved with this case. And they told her, you have to fix this. And she said, what you're doing is unconstitutional. And they said, listen, we, we will hire somebody for you who will give you advice. And she said, no, don't hire someone to give me advice. I know my job. I know what I'm doing. What you're asking for is unconstitutional, and I'm not going to do it. All right, then December the 5th, uh, Jody then meets with Jerry Butts. And once again, she tells him he needs to stop trying to pressure her. Jerry Butts said she has to find a solution. Jerry said that the law she was following, um, she didn't really need to follow that law because Harper wrote that law. So he doesn't like that law anyway. Now, just stop for a second to think about that. Jerry Butts was saying, since the law you're trying to follow was passed by Harper, a conservative, and we're liberals, we just don't have to follow that law. That's... That is a whole lot of crazy and really scary that that happened. Jody said, look, it's the law that we have. I, I don't care who wrote the law. This is the law we have, and I have to follow it. That was December 5th. Okay, then we get December the 6th. Trudeau actually sends Jody a letter from the SNC asking again for help. And she says, the matter is now in court, so I can't do anything. You need to stop bugging me. December 18th. The chief of staff was sent to a meeting with Jerry Butts and Katie. So Katie is Trudeau's chief of staff. So Jessica, who's Jody's chief of staff, is in a meeting with Jerry Butts and Katie, who is Trudeau's chief of staff. So they said, look, this issue is getting worse. Why do we not have a solution? Um, but said there is a solution, but there's no solution here that doesn't involve you getting involved. So they said Jody has to get involved. That is the only way we can have a solution. And he said, look, we're not going to debate about laws anymore. You just need to go out and fix it. And we have this ex-Supreme Court judge that we know who's friends with the liberals. And, and they will give you advice on how you can do this legally. They also said, listen, if Jody's nervous about how this could look bad for her, don't worry. Because we have all kinds of journalists who are willing to write um, op-ed saying that everything that she was doing was proper. So just to be clear, what happened in this meeting? Jerry Butts said, stop talking about laws. We don't really care. The only solution here is for you to get involved. Uh, we have a Supreme Court judge who's friends with us, and he'll tell you how to do it legally. And also, the media is going to cover for you. Don't worry. We already have journalists ready for that. So Jessica... The chief of staff here for Jody, she takes this information back to uh, Jody, who says, I'm still not getting involved. All right. So then we get all the way to December 19th, and Jody gets a call from the clerk. Jody's actually at home at this point. She gets a call from the clerk, and the clerk again says, Listen, you have to fix this problem. And Jody again tells him, Look, you need to stop 
interfering here. You stop trying to get me involved. And the clerk said, listen, I was just with the Prime Minister Trudeau. He's really firm on this and he wants to know why she hasn't fixed this problem yet. The clerk says, Trudeau is going to get this done one way or another. So you really need to be aware of this. So Jody warned the clerk, you're actually getting really close to breaking the law. It kind of sounds like you're threatening and I'm not getting politically motivated and involved. So the clerk said the prime minister couldn't be butting heads with his attorney general. That doesn't work. And the prime minister could not do anything he wanted to because all the tools were in Jody's hands. At that point, Jody said, this sounds like the Saturday night massacre. Now, if you don't know what the Saturday night massacre is, this is when Nixon got rid of his attorney general because his attorney general wasn't doing what he wanted him to do. And that eventually led to Nixon having to step down. All right, January 7th, Judy then receives a call from Trudeau. He says he's doing a cabinet shuffle. She will no longer be the attorney general. And Jody tells Trudeau, I think you're doing this because of the whole SNC matter. And she's told, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that at all. But then on January 11th, she's told, look, a new attorney general is coming in and you need to brief them on the cases. And the first case that you have to brief them on, because that's the one they're going to deal with first, is the SNC case. So none of this looks very good for Trudeau. What do I predict will happen? I think there's three possible outcomes. Trudeau escapes this and still wins the election because the media is going to cover for him. That's one. Two, Trudeau resigns and tomorrow actually marks the anniversary of his father's resignation where he famously took a walk in the snow and then decided to quit. So if Trudeau starts talking about taking a walk in the snow, you know what to do. Anyway, if he does resign, Jody will run for head of the Liberal Party and would easily win the election. She's a woman. She's native. She's currently the most trusted woman in Canada. And if that happens, if Trudeau steps down, Jody runs for the head of the Liberal Party, she wins and she's elected. If that happens, then Sheer will have to resign. And then maybe Maxine Bernier rejoins the party and can be the leader. That is option two. Third option, Jody stays low. We have our election and the Liberals lose. Trudeau is then forced to resign and Jody runs for leadership and becomes the leader of the opposition. And she then spends the next four years basically running for the 2022 election. That's my three guesses. And personally, I would bet on the third option. So I guess we'll see what happens. All right. This was a bonus episode. To learn more what I do, check out my website at lauralaseaman.com.